Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, you're going to discuss something that you said spans the entire Bible. Mm. Are we starting a new series? <laughs> well, no, Scott. What we're going to talk about is mentioned at the very beginning of Genesis and at the very end of Revelation. But then it's only referred to in one other book in the rest of the Bible. So there's not a series worth of material related to it. But with those clues, can you guess what it is I want to talk about today? Well, let's see. Beginning of Genesis, end of Revelation. Is it the Tree of Life? I know it's in the Garden of Eden, and it shows up again in heaven at the end of Revelation. Excellent, Scott. That's it. Ta-da! <laughs> We're going to study the Tree of Life today. I got the idea to study it from a conversation I was having with a fellow brother in Christ, and he was wondering if the tree of life was going to be back on earth during the millennium. Hmm. And then we got to thinking about that angel that was tasked with guarding the tree of life back in Genesis. You know, how long did it have to stand guard? <laughs> and what did the tree of life actually do to a person if they ate it? So with those thoughts and more, it seemed like it would be an interesting study. And in my mind, I find it intriguing that it starts out in the Garden of Eden, apparently is hardly mentioned again in the Bible, and then there it is again at the end of the book of Revelation. That is intriguing, isn't it? Yep. So first, let's read the passages where it's mentioned in Genesis. The first mention is in Genesis 2.9, but let's read verses 8 and 9 for context. Go ahead. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, first then, let's review the timeline of these events. It says God placed the man, that's Adam, in the garden. So God had already planted the trees in the garden before he put him in it. Now, does that mean the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil existed before Adam was created? Or did God create Adam, then the Garden of Eden, and then place Adam in the garden? You know, the grammar could mean that was the timeline. But it also could be that the garden was part of God's creation on the third day of creation, when, after causing the land to appear, he then made all the kinds of plants. Now, the descriptions of day three in chapter one and of God planting the garden in chapter two are very similar. Genesis 1, 11 and 12 says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation. And now here is Genesis 2.9 again. And out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also. Okay, so the tree of life could have existed on day three. I never thought of that before. Well, neither had I. But the Bible doesn't make it clear enough to know for sure. But let's tentatively assume the Garden of Eden was there and the tree of life in the center waiting, in a sense, for its keeper to arrive. However, given the point I want to make as we consider these events, there's a great irony here. Because even though we'll read that Adam was given the job of keeping the garden, I think it was the tree of life that would have also kept Adam. 
You'll see what I mean as we go on. Now let's read more about the garden. Scott, read Genesis 2.15, and this is after the description of the rivers that flow out from Eden. Okay. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. So the Lord gives Adam the job of cultivating and keeping the garden. The tree of life isn't specifically mentioned there, but the tree of life was part of the garden. Then God said from any tree in the garden, Adam was permitted to eat. Except for one. Except one. And how tragic. Every fruit available, but they wanted the one. Now we can't imagine the fruits that would have been available to eat not including the tree of life, which we learn in the book of Revelation produced 12 different kinds of fruit. Mm. One tree bearing 12 kinds of fruit. Imagine it. Scott, let's try and name 12 fruits. All right. Let's see. Um, Apples, oranges, peaches, pears. I got some. Mangoes, bananas, papayas, and plums. Mm. Well, that's eight. Uh, Okay, I'm having trouble naming more. Oh, (laughs) oh, how about a grapefruit? Uh, I got another one. Jackfruit. Jackfruit? What in the world is that? Oh, it's a huge, really tasty fruit that can weigh 30 pounds. Wow. Uh, Sort of like a giant hedge apple, if you know what those are. It takes some work to get the skin off, but it's worth it. They grow in India, among other places. So anyway, we still need two more, Scott. Well, we've only named sweet fruit. Trees grow fruit that is not sweet. How about one that's gotten really popular these days? Avocados. Oh, that's a good one. And I'll name one more that I've had in India. It is anything but sweet. It's called bitter gourd. Okay. (laughs) Its name speaks for itself. They supposedly are really good for you. Everything bad. Everything that tastes bad is good for you. Inversely proportionate. (laughs) Okay. So that was 12 fruits that grow on trees we're familiar with today, each after its own kind. But isn't it likely that the tree of life grew 12 totally different fruits of its own kind? Certainly wouldn't have bitter gourds. Yeah, no, I don't think. But anyway, fruits, we have no idea now of what they were like in Adam's day. And it's so sad because as it turned out, they were fruits he had very limited time to eat. Mm. So now I assume most everyone knows what happened after God put Adam in the garden to tend it. The one tree he was prohibited from eating was the one he and Eve wanted to eat. Of course. And in disobedience to God's word, They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, apparently not believing or not caring about the warning the Lord had given Adam if he ate from it. In the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. But Dr. Scripture, they didn't keel over and die right away like you would expect if they had eaten something extremely toxic. So what about God saying in the day they ate it, they would die? Well, that's an important observation, Scott. We're told Adam had a long life after that. He lived to be 930 years old. But without going into a long discussion of it, Adam and Eve did die that day. They died spiritually. They were separated from God. And the Bible describes that as being spiritually dead. The basic definition of death is separation. For example, physical death is when the human spirit is separated from the body. James 2.26 says, The body without the spirit is dead. 
And when the human spirit is separated from God, a person is spiritually dead. And to be alive to God, that is, to be in relationship with God, a person needs to be born again. Their spirit needs to be made alive again. Exactly. Remember, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly. That's as certain as it gets. To see the kingdom of God, in other words, to go to heaven, you must be born again. Not physically. That's impossible but spiritually. But aside from the spiritual death Adam and Eve experienced immediately when they sinned, they did eventually die physically as well. And remember, our study today is on the tree of life. And I suggest the key to their physical death is due to the tree of life. Let's read the next mention of the tree of life in Genesis. It's after Adam and Eve sinned, And God has cursed the serpent, Satan, and cursed the ground so that the responsibility God had given Adam to cultivate and keep the garden would now be a struggle and frustrating and often end in failure and finally death. We'll read Genesis 3 verses 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil. And now, lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. And that concludes Genesis chapter 3. Surely one of the most horrible chapters in the history of man, let alone in the Bible. But an interesting question to ask is, why was it necessary to prevent Adam and Eve from eating from the tree of life? Well, to paraphrase what the Lord said, so they could not eat from the tree of life and live forever. Yes, but they had already died spiritually. So it must be that eating from the tree of life would have enabled them to physically live forever. And the Lord wanted to prevent that. Now, we could come up with all kinds of possibilities about how God caused Adam to eventually die. You know, I can imagine the Lord changing Adam and Eve's genetic structure so they would age and eventually die, or alter their immune system or cellular regeneration abilities so they didn't work perfectly any longer. But given the fact that the Lord indicates if they ate from the tree of life, they would live forever— I propose that all the Lord needed to do to ensure that Adam and Eve would eventually die was prevent them from eating the fruit from the tree of life. What if there was some essential substance, a nutrient or an enzyme, something physical in the fruit that was required for their bodies to live forever? If they could not get it, eventually the body would age, wear out, and ultimately cease functioning. In a sense, God wouldn't have to do anything to them, just keep them from the tree of life. And if that is true, then how ironic. The Lord had told Adam to keep the garden, which would have included the tree of life. But actually, the tree of life was what would keep him, keep him from ever dying. Adam rejected the very means by which he would live forever. That indeed is what he did, both spiritually and physically. So, Dr. Scripture, do you think Adam and Eve never even once ate from the tree of life? Because if they had, wouldn't that have made their bodies immortal? Well, Scott, first I want to be clear, much of what we're discussing is speculative. The Bible doesn't explain things in detail, enabling us to know how the tree of life functioned. 
But what I'm suggesting is the tree of life would have physically sustained the body with something only it produced. It would be something they needed to ingest on an ongoing basis. I don't think it was some mystical or miraculous ingredient that, poof, once you've eaten it, you're suddenly now physically immortal. Like you said, if it worked like that, then Adam and Eve must have never even tried the fruit from the tree of life. And that just doesn't seem likely. But all those trees in the garden weren't enough for them. They wanted what God said they could not have. And the consequences of that was they could no longer have the fruit of the tree of life at all. And that's where Genesis chapter 3 ends. However, there's more about the tree of life in the Bible than what's in Genesis. But we're out of time today, so we'll have to consider those things in our next program. I was skeptical about you getting from Genesis to Revelation in one program. (laughs) Well, you were right, Scott. But I'll finish by reading from the only book mentioning the Tree of Life besides Genesis and Revelation. That's Proverbs. Oh, really? Proverbs 3.18 is describing wisdom, and it says, She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. 